0: what's up y'all welcome back welcome back to the first uh educational post for the vintage dow podcast my name is Muhammad, and i'm here with
1: the one and only alex of my thrift deal
0: and we are going to dive into what is crypto and why crypto you know what i'm saying so for, i know i know what you're thinking like when, when i first heard about this i was like you know what is crypto like is this is some archaeological like? Is it an archaeological find? Like what, what? What is a crypto? So, so Alex, if so, if someone like myself were to ask you, like, what is this? What is crypto?
1: That's a great question. Technically speaking, uh, crypto is a form of a digital asset based on a network of computers that's distributed across a large number of computers, and this decentralized structure allows, uh, you know, outside control. It's not necessarily controlled from one point of government. Or one central point of authority
0: that's incredible, and, and like what are some examples? and i know i've I, I'm, I know about Bitcoin and I know about ethereum and a couple of other different types of cryptos, but if you were to break those two down like uh, the the fundamentals as you said of crypto is Bitcoin and ethereum, what are those two, and what are the differences
1: yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Bitcoin was really kind of like the o g of crypto, if you will, uh, it was the first one I want to say it's about. 13 or so years old, somewhere between 12 to 15 years old. But really it was it was revolutionary for the time and there's a lot of principles with Bitcoin that have made it why it's still the number one valued cryptocurrency today with the advancement of all these other ones. And the main features of Bitcoin, there's only 21 million of them. So there can never be any more than that versus if you think about inflation in the US during the pandemic, 25% of the entire US money supply was printed in a 6 month period. So it's no wonder today we're going to the grocery store and seeing prices doubled. You know, inflation is real. It's very easily done by the government due to the constraints and the control that they have over it. So crypto removing that central point of authority to money supply is revolutionary. And back to Bitcoin, like I said, there's 21 million of them. There's a a certain process of how many are released. So every four years, it's what's called the halfening. And half of the remaining supply that's left will be released to be able to be mined to the public. And this way, it can, it creates like an infinite continuation of a, a little bit of supply. It kind of asymptotes towards the end of how much is left. But there's always more Bitcoin to be mined, but an ever increasing amount of it to be mined. And you're probably wondering what the heck is mining. <laughs> Yeah. What the heck is mining,
0: man? Like I, yeah, I know. I know. I know. Yeah, Like we got to go to, we got, well, we got to get some pickaxes right now. Like where are we going?
1: Get your pickaxe, get your shovel. No, no. Um, It is, it is kind of like that, but in the digital sense of it. So when you hear the word mining, all you need to really think about is that computers are doing a digital form of mining. They're solving these complex algorithms. And if they are able to solve that algorithm, then they are able to push the block of transactions that they have tied to that to the the network and and for doing that they get a reward and the reward is Bitcoin or whatever currency they're they're mining for so mining is how new bitcoin is it goes from you know like like a mineral in the earth it gets plucked out and put into circulation in the world so that's essentially what the the mining computers are doing. all you need to do that I mean all you need to do that is uh a higher powered computer, probably some NVIDIA graphics cards, maybe six of them or so, and a stable internet connection. So a couple thousand dollars, you could start mining it if you want to. um, But of course, that's up to you as an individual and what your utility costs look like. Because it is is energy intensive. And that's actually one of the kind of the gripes about Bitcoin is how energy intensive it is. And Bitcoin uses a process called proof of work. And you might have heard of proof of work or proof of stake. POW or POS. So proof of work, again, that's Bitcoin's validation method for validating transactions on the blockchain. And pretty much it's this mining process. It's these checks and balances. It's very labor or it's very energy intensive to do that. Whereas Ethereum is moving to a proof of stake mechanism. So instead of these miners doing these complex energy intensive algorithms, the proof of stake is essentially saying, hey, me as a validator, I am putting my trust in the network. I'm putting up this amount of collateral in the Ethereum case. It's 32 Ether is how much you need to be a validator. And essentially you're saying, I trust the network's ability to do its job. If it does something wrong, take it from this pool that I've put up as collateral, more or less. And it doesn't go wrong. (laughs) It's a computer program. So it's pretty good. And for doing that, for people putting up that proof of stake amount that they have, they're getting that same reward that miners used to get in the past as well. And so I just mentioned mm. Ethereum. I didn't tell anybody what Ethereum is. Mohammed, I don't know if you want to tell the people in your mind or in your words. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to.
0: I'd love to. I'd love to. Yeah, no. And I just want to also say, as y'all are listening to this, watching this work, whatever, however you're consuming this uh, video, audio, you know what I'm saying? These files of knowledge right now. I just want you to know that please take it like a step at a time. If you have to rewind, re-listen to something we just said, like, please do like, uh, this is designed to be able to be listened through all, on one through, and you should be able to catch it. We'll try our best to pace ourselves, but at its core, um, Alex keeps on telling me this as I learn more about crypto, but you have to hear it really like four five, six times before you've truly just receive it. Then you get to the understanding portion. So, uh, Alex just kind of broke down what Bitcoin is. And a lot of times, a lot of the gripes with, uh, all types of different cryptocurrency and people that don't know about crypto is the mining, right? Cause he said it was energy intensive and whatnot. Um, and, and that works through a system called proof of work. That's what the mining is. So when we talk about Ethereum, which is proof of stake, it's uh, putting up a collateral put uh, that, 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 that we do own, whether it is like an actual us dollar or some other type of collateral um, this takes away the need to do the proof of work method of mining for Bitcoin and Ethereum is like I don't know. It's always interchangeable, right? Some people will say Bitcoin's number one. Some people say Ethereum's number two. Right, some people right. say Ethereum's number one. but ethereum, how it was explained to me is it's like the internet of cryptocurrency, the internet of cryptocurrency. Alex, can you expand on that for the people?
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's, I, I call it like the internet of crypto because it's basically the layer of, of blockchain of crypto that allows for all of these other applications to be built on top of it. So all of these DeFi applications, all of these NFT applications, smart contracts, etc., all of that is built on top of the Ethereum network. And ETH is the currency that powers the network. So every time there's a transaction that's done on the Ethereum network, you pay what's called a gas fee and that's a, that's basically the transaction fee for being able to process a transaction on the ethereum network and again that's paid in eth so the value of eth in large part is due to the value of the ethereum network you know how valuable is it to transact on this network ethereum is the most secure network out there that's why for me I'm willing to pay a little bit more for my transaction fees in order to have that peace of mind that I'm not going to get shut out of the network for a week or my transaction is not going to fail, or I'm not going to get robbed or anything. You know, Security is one of the most, if not the most important tenants of a a strong cryptocurrency network. And Ethereum is the strongest, even though it's not as fast as some of the other ones. And it is a little bit more expensive. Again, the security is unmatched. And especially for accounts that are moving a large volume of dollars, you're going to pay more for that security. So I like Ethereum personally, in my opinion, and again, this is up for anybody's interpretation. In my opinion, Ethereum's value far exceeds Bitcoin's just because Bitcoin is kind of like a digital gold. And there's a lot of value for that. You do need to have that kind of safe store of value on the blockchain. Bitcoin represents that. You can't, the supply is set. You can't make more of it. These are all important factors into what makes a valuable cryptocurrency. But just the, the lack of features that I can do use in my Bitcoin, the lack of things I can do with my Bitcoin. To me, it's just, it's not really worth it. Like I can buy it and hold it and and not do much else, maybe spend it, but I'm trying to invest it. I'm trying to lend it. I'm trying to borrow against it, trying to buy some art on the blockchain with it. You can't buy an NFT with Bitcoin straight up. So for me, again, Ethereum, it's the internet layer of the blockchain. ETH is the mechanism that powers the blockchain and all these other currencies you can swap for each other. So any of these applications, just for example, the most popular DeFi application, it's called Aave, A-A-V-E. They have their own token. And on the Ethereum network, I can swap Ether for Aave in seconds, more or less. So all of these different coins, they're all exchangeable for any other coin that's built on its network. So Ethereum has the largest network, the most secure network, the most developers working on their network, and the smartest minds, Vitalik is the creator of Ethereum. He's a brilliant, brilliant man. It's it's the project that I want to be behind. It's the project I've been buying. I've also been buying Bitcoin since 2017. But again, most of my money, if not all of my money, is pretty much in Ethereum.
0: And so, I just want to um, add in, because I know he just mentioned something called DeFi. Uh, and I think that was the first time we mentioned it on the episode so far. You'll keep on hearing this term DeFi throughout... Uh, our time together you know what i'm saying and it stands for decentralized finances and um before we jump into DeFi, i do just want to note like a lot of times uh at least for me personally because i don't want to speak for the world like my hesitation with cryptocurrency my hesitation with um any type of cryptocurrency and crypto in general was the uh, environmental issues right we talked about a little bit with bitcoin um, and how uh, energy extensive the mining is, and the Ethereum network uh, that is working off ETH is uh, is much less <laughs> bad, much less environmentally harmful. Um, but it does still take in the um, the gas the gas fee, and the gas fee uh, uh, is is the section where the Ethereum network is still working on. And I know that there's so much. Other development that's being worked on to make it even more better. There's like layer two and all this stuff, but we don't. We 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 gonna get into that later. I just want to note that like all of every every, all of this, all of this is like is like not even a decade old. You know what I'm saying? Like it's these this so much is still being innovated, so much is still being created. Um, And I want to first and foremost uh, say all this because we want to stay as transparent as possible in our attempt to educate, in our attempt to redistribute this educational resource, the intellectual resources, you know what I'm saying? But DeFi, to come back to DeFi, was one of the big reasons why I kind of jumped into this space. Um, uh, Decentralized finances, uh, Alex, would you like to expand on DeFi a little bit?
1: Yeah, definitely. And I just want to say one thing, too, before I talk a little bit more. Basically, those gas fees that we mentioned, the fees for transaction on the network, those aren't just lost necessarily. Those, those gas fees are going back to the people that are effectively securing the network, and whether that's through the proof of stake or the proof of work, whatever it is. Those fees are going back to the people, again, that are helping secure the network. So the higher the fee, theoretically, the more secure the network is and the more value that the general public is putting on that network. You know, The, the gas fees fluctuate with the, vol- the, the demand. In the market the volume of amount of transactions that need to be processed on the blockchain and you've probably heard the word blockchain before we haven't got to talk too much about it yet so i do want to give the people a little bit of background on what blockchain is exactly pretty much the blockchain is just a decentralized um, database that's shared among the nodes on a computer network and as a traditional database most information is stored directly on site versus on the blockchain it's extremely decentralized. It's stored across computers all over the world. And this is, this is a monumental shift in how data is stored and preserved. Now, if you think about it, think about a major corporation. They might have a, a building somewhere that the entire building is just full of computers. It's full of computers talking to other computers. That's their database, right? That's not their blockchain. That's their database. And because it's so centralized, it's very prone to an attack, whether that's a natural disaster or a you know, something malicious done by a competitor or whoever it is by having all of their resources and all of their information stored locally at one site, it's, it's really prone to an attack. And if that goes down, we saw when Facebook went down a couple of months ago, nobody could log into Facebook or Instagram or anything. It's, it's yeah, a, Instagram it, it,
0: Anytime Instagram messes up, like uh, a lot of my work, a lot of my business, through second like hand scoops happen on Instagram. When that exactly breaks that down, works. it's like, I can't really do much right now, you know?
1: Exactly. So with the blockchain, because it's it's stored amongst all these different computers, could be your computer, my computer, if we want it to be all over the world. I don't want to say it's foolproof, but it's, it's as best prepared as possible to prevent from any type of attack or any lag or downtime in the network. Because if something's happening in the US, in Canada, they have the computers up. If it's in Canada and Mexico, they have the computer still up. So that decentralization factor of crypto, Is one of the major tenets of what makes this like a viable technology. Why is this valuable? Like, why should I give a crap about it? The ability to have a shared network of computers all over the world that are storing and verifying the same data is crazy. Again, those servers at maybe Facebook, they could manipulate the data and you would never know because they have full control over it. You can't get insight into there. Whereas on the blockchain, the blockchain is literally what it is it's a block of like code that is chained together to form the blockchain, like a metal link, more or less. So basically the blockchain, it, they store certain amounts of data. And once the block is filled, that's when one of those miners tries to verify the block. And then when the block is verified, it's pushed to the network, it's stored locally, or sorry, it's stored digitally. Everybody can see it. I can go right now and find any transaction from any point in time, literally. If I, And if I had the transaction hash, I could get directly to it, so again, Blockchain versus database. Why is a blockchain better than a database? It's fully decentralized. It's stored all over the world. It's 100% transparent. These are, these are major shifts. Like you're, You probably might need to hear this again. Like Mohammed said, it takes a long time. It's taken me five years to get to a point where I felt like comfortable explaining some of these things. Mohammed has picked up incredibly fast. I'm very impressed with it. How quickly and I still don't anything. even understand
0: it. Like I, I know, I know exactly. a little bit, you know, I, you know, but I still don't understand it completely, completely. Or at exactly. the very least, if Alex wasn't here, I don't know if I'd be comfortable like telling people, you know, because I need to make sure I don't want to misinform the people.
1: No, exactly, exactly. But yeah, so that's that's kind of like what is crypto? You know, it's a digital asset that's stored on a network of computers all over the world, being fully decentralized. It allows for, it's less prone to attacks. It allows for way more transparency. There's two major cryptos that people need to learn about. And of course, there's thousands of them. But just to get started, focus on Bitcoin, the digital gold. Focus on Ethereum, which is basically the internet of crypto. You know, Mining is how new crypto is put into circulation. The blockchain is where all the data is stored. That's like the—it's. I don't want to say the database because it's the blockchain, but it's like a database, but it's shared amongst all these computers, and that's what the blockchain is. And proof of work versus proof of stake—it's pretty much just how, again, how new crypto is made and how transactions are verified, more or less.